to step up, take control of your business, and decide to be your very best as a leader right now. Hello, this is Mike Payton with the Lead Now podcast, and today I have the great pleasure of speaking with Rob DeBay. Rob is the president and co-founder of Image One, an award-winning print management company that specializes in helping clients optimize and manage print, automate their process, and secure documents. Rob is a speaker, author, and hosts the Leading with Genuine Care podcast. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thanks for taking time. Thanks, Mike. It's such a pleasure. I'm really grateful to you for inviting me on today. It's an honor. It's absolutely my pleasure. Do me a favor and start by sharing with the listener when your entrepreneurial journey began. Well, it was in ninth grade with my best friend and my current business partner, Joel Perlman. We started selling blow pop lollipops out of our locker. We bought them for a nickel from Joel's uncle who owned a drugstore. And uh, we sold them for a quarter and out of our locker in high school. And great product, great margins. Never seen anything like it since. They were lined up down the hallway. <laughs> so, And then uh, we did a lot of things in between that time and graduating from college. And after we graduated college, we started our company. And we're still at it. 20% cost of goods sold in high school. Well done. <laughs> For sure. So bring us up to the present day, if you would, from the blow pop adventure to starting your first company out of college. Give us the image one story too. Yeah. So we started in 91 out of a basement for the first eight or nine years. We really didn't know how to run a business, what we were doing. We were tripping over ourselves. You and I were speaking beforehand and I mentioned, you know, how impactful EOS has been. So I see the, say this from my heart. We had an opportunity to meet Gino Wickman. The reason we met him was we had purchased an IT services company and the acquisition wasn't going well. And this was a small acquisition. It was nothing major to say, you know, we just, it just wasn't integrating well. Someone introduced us to Gino and this was actually before EOS was EOS. And he gave us some great advice, which you will probably appreciate, which was stay focused and gave us a book called uh, Focus by Al Reese. And we took it to heart and we undid that acquisition, took our lumps, both ego and financial, and stayed focused ever since. Not soon after we started working with Gino and with his process, which has evolved since then, but it was pretty much the same then. He was the first person that brought core values to our awareness. And I remember our first session with him and he said, today we're gonna spend most of the day uncovering your core values. And I remember saying, I came with a list and I had a notepad and I said, it's like a mile long here. And I just, can we get through the, these first and then we'll talk core values. And uh, he, in very Gino fashion, he said, give me a little blind faith, go with me on this for the morning. And if by afternoon it isn't resonating, we'll go to the issues. Obviously it very much resonated and we, we really transformed our company over the next several years and working with him. And so much so in 2004, we were approached by a company, a public company, and they were interested in acquiring us. And we did ultimately sell two parts of the story. I like to share about that. First is when we were getting towards the tail end, 
the president of that company asked us to come down and meet with the board of directors and the executive team to kind of talk a little bit about our company. And at the time, I was in my earliest 30s and I was very intimidated. And I said to the president, you know, what exactly do you want us to talk about? And he said, you know, you, you know, tell them about how you're operating the company, that process that you were telling us about, you know, just do that. And we made up a PowerPoint describing how this whole thing works. And after the meeting, he came up to me and he said, that was great. They loved it. I mean, the feedback has been so positive. And, you know, we should do something like that here. And we ultimately did sell the company, went through, we did receive higher multiples. And I truly believe that was because we were operating the business very well. And I, I attribute that very much to EOS. In 2006, we bought the company back and we've been focused, you know, ever since it, at, um, you know, that's the same thing we were doing before we sold it. It's been laser focused on growing the company and our core competencies. Awesome. So, so before I start diving more deeply into little snippets in your timeline there, which I think is going to fill our entire time together, tell me and the listener, what do you do? Who are your clients? Yeah. How big are you today, Rob? Yeah. So we provide managed print services, as you said at the outset, which is multifunction printers, copiers, uh, software solutions to help keep these devices secure and help people print less. Today, that's easier for our customers than it ever has been. And the reason for that is COVID. They're not in their offices. <laughs> so as you and I speak today, and I don't know when this will be live, but as you and I speak today, our business has been significantly impacted by COVID. Mm. We're down 40%. This year, we would have been on track to do about 24 million in sales. We were making an acquisition at the beginning of March, which we were literally just at the goal line and called it off. Thank goodness we did call it off. And so this has been, you know, really emotional and impactful time for us. You know, I'm proud to say that we've stayed very resilient. We've kept the team together, all the while being very mindful of keeping the company healthy. We've pivoted. We now have a line of smart health solutions, which include things like a temperature and facial kiosk and a device that helps organizations in facility departments better organize their workspaces and mm. better manage their workspaces. Mm. And so those are two products in our product lines that are, have been very impactful for us so far. Yeah, cool. Let's go back to the early days when you first decided to ask Gino for help or volunteer to be helped by Gino, however that all played out. What was it that instigated that? That's an unusual move for an early stage entrepreneur. We have this sort of rugged individualist mindset. So what, what made you feel like getting help from an outside expert might be valuable? You know, I think Joel and I are lifelong learners. So we we were trying to figure things out and get help for a good eight, nine years. Just nothing was really clicking for us. Got it. And, you know, when Gino came into the organization and the way it was organized, it just clicked. That's all I could say. Yeah. For our minds, it just clicked. And it has ever since. Like, I have no learning curve with it. It works for us yeah. and for me. Got it. Describe you and maybe Joel or just yourself as leaders before implementing EOS versus leaders afterwards. Yeah, I think before we were more command and control and passive aggressive. You know, I think our egos were way too in it. 
And that was a clash of the two of us, which didn't bode well for our culture. Post-EOS, you know, I think we started to let our guard down and become maybe more of our true selves, uh, showing, being more open and honest about our feelings, being willing to be more vulnerable and show some humility. And I think that was, you know, one of the key things that EOS helped us bring out. And, you know, more significantly, a lot of people stuff, you know, starting with the two of us, what were our roles? Where did we fit? What were our strengths? And how could we appreciate our strengths? And I think once we got comfortable with that, the rest fell in place very nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember a major transition from that command and control? Your first option is doing it yourself or barking orders at somebody. Do you remember a moment where you transitioned from that way of leading into a different, more vulnerable, more open, more collaborative Yeah, it's when I read a book called Small Giants by Bo Burlingham. And that was right around the time we were given the opportunity to buy our company back. And through reading that book, I learned that there are other entrepreneurs out there that have a management style that felt more true to who we were. Prior to that, especially being in the Detroit area, there's a lot of old school automotive companies here. And there's a lot of uh, strife between management and, and workers. It's more modern nowadays, I think. But just back then, some of the people that we were associating with were, they were tough leaders, you know, and they just had a certain way and it was command and control. Yeah. And, it, you know, and that's just the way it went. And that just wasn't working for us. Yeah. For the listener who's listening and saying, I wonder what kind of leader I am, what are some of the things you were feeling or experiencing that in hindsight is a sign you're a command and control leader? I think when I was taking command and control actions outwardly, but inwardly, it didn't feel right. So if you're able to feel into your actions, there's something that your gut and your heart can tell you if you're paying attention. Yeah, nicely said. And then conversely, when you're leading collaboratively and you're open, honest, and vulnerable, and you're engaging your people in problem solving and moving the organization forward as a team, what does that feel like? What what would I recognize as that kind of leader? Well, for me, it feels like flow. It just feels like you're empowering your team. You know, we all have very talented people. And quite frankly, the only thing in, in their way is you. And so if you can get out of their way, they can take you places you could have never imagined. Yeah, that's great to hear. When you're stuck as a leader, what's your ritual? How do you get yourself unstuck? Well, I have a regular meditation practice, and that has served to be very useful for me. It helps me become aware of my thoughts, be curious about what's going on in my mind without trying to solve it, but just letting it take course and then taking myself back to the present moment and being grateful for this moment right here, right now. And I think that's been one of the more useful tools that I have in, in, in my leadership is just the ability to go back to that. Do you find the meditation practice shuts off the competing voices in your head when that sometime contribute to being stuck? I don't know if it shuts it off, but I have permission to let them go at it without judgment and without trying to solve it or stop it. And so usually when we're grasping on hard, it makes the flame go higher. (laughs) (laughs) And so 
But when we allow it to be and just recognize it and be okay with frustration, I mean, that's a useful emotion. Anger is actually a useful emotion. Mm -hmm. We just don't like the way they feel. And so we do things to try to get away from it. And usually it works against us. And so when we just allow them to be and serve their purpose, and that means, again, not trying to push them away or not trying to grasp at the feelings we like, usually it plays out quite well. Mm. Gosh, really well said. Your role in the organization today? Yeah, so I realized probably at least five years ago that, you know, I think I had hit a ceiling as integrator. I didn't really feel like we could take the company to another level with me being in that position. And that was really a great feeling to recognize that and know that we really needed to bring somebody on who was a stronger leader than I was and who could take us to the next level. So that started our pursuit and we found somebody and I feel very fortunate and extremely grateful that through a series of unlikely but likely events, as you know, things happen for a reason. Right. Um, we, we met our current president and integrator, Josh Britton, and he is the person who will be taking us to the next level without question. And then I could move into a role that better suited me and my strengths at this point in time in my life. And that is? That is, I am a co-CEO with my business partner, Joel, and he has some very unique skills on the visionary side where he's super creative. He's, he's great with the deals and with the customer interactions. Mm -hmm. On my side, I can see out into the future. I'm convicted to that future. I feel very strongly about what our capabilities are and our ability to get there. And also culture. culture. Um, I'm very creative when it comes to you know how we can integrate things within our culture that can become part of who we are on a regular basis and not a shiny thing yeah. that we do for a quarter or for a month and then kind of floats away. So you and Joel, the founders, have split the visionary seat into two distinct roles and you each fill a role working together with your integrator or chief operating officer or president, you said. He's our president. Yeah. Yes. To run the business and as I like to say, keep the trains running on time, correct? Yep. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. And then tell us about the rest of your leadership team. What are the other major functions and who are the other people you rely on to grow this business? Yeah. So we have our finance side of things. Uh, we have a controller there, Emily Kamita. And then we have our uh, sales and marketing side of things with Grace Andres, who joined our team in um, January. And she has proven to be a leader times a hundred because she didn't know she was going to get into this situation where we'd have a pandemic and uh, her job would be amplified <laughs> and then some yeah. uh, with the with the sudden drop in uh, you know and deep drop of, of revenue. Yeah, so a forty percent drop in revenue is a crisis, <laughs> whether it's caused by a global <laughs> pandemic or not. That's right. And so let's talk about leading in a in a crisis and and yep. how is that different? And what have you and your teammates done to respond as leaders? Yeah, well, you know, first I'll say we're doing our best in uncharted waters. So I hope it all is the right stuff, but a lot of it might not be. And hopefully some of it is good. What happened was in the middle of March, we recognized that we were going to have a situation happen pretty quickly. And so we went to the team and we showed them the math. We happened to practice open book finance. So I felt like we had a leg up there because we didn't have to teach them the math. They understood the math. And so we could do the math problems and show them what this was going to look like. And then once you 
go into normal cost cutting, you know, all the everyday regular stuff and you go as deep as you can go. And then some, uh, the next thing that is, you know, a major expense for most companies, certainly for ours is payroll. And so there's two ways, or there's many ways you could deal with that, but a couple of ways is you could do layoffs or you could reduce the number of people in the company, or you could do pay reductions or, and so on. And so we went to the team and we said, here are some ideas, but what we're going to do is break you off into groups and you're going to come up with the best idea. And whatever that idea is, we're going to look at that as a Hmm. leadership team and figure out if that makes sense for us and, and how we might be able to make that happen. And that's what we did. And the team agreed to uh, pay reductions with a program in place where things turned around later in the year, which at that time, there was a lot of hope it would, that we would have a program in place to get their lost pay back. Hmm. And that seemed like a really fair for everybody and to keep the company healthy. Of course, we had the PPP and that was super helpful. But you know, as things progressed, we were pretty clear that for us, that was just a, it was like a stop gap. It was something that was nice, you know, that was going to help grateful for it. It did help, but we had to go right back to the same program. So we're, we're back on that. So what do we do in the meantime? So we have uh, since the outset, five things that we track on our scorecard every single week. And that was to ensure that the company stays healthy, that we keep the team together, and that we ensure that we are all participating in keeping each other connected, cared for, and informed. And so that's been sort of our mantra each and every week. Are we hitting that? You know, are we nine or above on that or eight and a half and above on that? We've been nine or above, but our goal is eight and a half or, or higher. And so, you know, at a high level, those are some of the things that, that we started with and that we continue. And so have. you're implying this, but I'm going to ask people on a regular basis, are we doing those things well? And they're rating it on a score of one to 10. That's right. Lovely. So when in doubt, ask, would you, would you <laughs> can we, can we call that a leadership maxim, Rob? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's sure. great. That's great for stuff. Sure. And then, yeah. and then, well, you know, tell us what the outlook is for you. you. You've talked about some pivoting things and, you know, we're done talking about W's or U's right now. And so, <laughs> so how are you feeling right now uh, about the future of the business and your team? Well, you know, our outlook is that for our business, this could go well into next year. Mm. And so we've brought on uh, this smart health line that we put together and that has some long-term stick and then some short-term help. And so we're watching that and we're adding and taking away from that as we see needs in the market. So that has yet to play out where I could say that's gotten us to the right point. Because for us at this point, it's really just a revenue game. Yeah. You know, as long as we can maintain our margins, it's just a revenue game for us. Right. Just get that revenue to a certain point. At the same time, we're doing things like looking at potential acquisitions, potentially in the industry to pick up that revenue and, and synergize very quickly. There may be some smaller companies out there that are struggling when Mm. the PPP kind of runs out for them. So that's one strategy we're looking at. But we're also looking at complementary products that can service in the long term. There's certain criteria that we put into place. And as part of our 2026 vision, we knew that our business would change and we knew we'd be in a different business. We actually state that in our 2026 vision. Mm. We just didn't think it would come so soon and so abruptly, 
But hey, sometimes that's what you need. You need a swift kick in the butt to get it going. And so we're actually quite energized. You know, the financial part of things, we're staying profitable through the pay reductions, and that's important to us. We have a keen eye on cash and our click ratio and, uh, of course, receivables, you know, making sure that our customers are healthy. And so, you know, we're just trying to keep a close eye on every single thing. And I heard a talk, I'll just end with this. I heard a talk recently from an organization that I'm part of and we had our virtual summit. And one of the companies and the person who was doing the talk also was quite impacted. And he said, I'm staying on one leg very firmly planted and I'm letting the other leg just dance around. (laughs) Yeah, well, it is hard to back (laughs) a single horse in times of real uncertainty about what the future holds, particularly if you're serving people with with workplaces because there's a lot of question marks about that. Totally get it. Which of the EOS tools did you find most comforting or helpful in your response to this crisis? Oh, you know, you're probably not going to love this answer, but I actually think, and I think this is sort of how we work around image one. It's a lot of little things that add up to a lot. And to me, the entire process is a lot of little things that add up to a lot. So what we had in place was a strong foundation. And when you have a strong foundation, you can better get through these sorts of times because you're not trying to get a scorecard up to speed or determine who the right people in the right seats are and who gets it once and has the capacity to do it. You know, you're trying to do these things. You're not trying to figure out your meeting rhythms and, you know, those things are in place. You might be enhancing them or shifting them slightly. You know, in our case, we decided to meet more regularly. So our rhythms were more frequent. You know, we put new things on the scorecards. Other things weren't as significant as they used to be. We had people conversations, but it was easy to have those conversations. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is, the ability to IDS, identify, discuss, solve. I mean, when you're already good at that, I mean, the amount of decisions that we've had to make over those last five months has been unbelievable. My mind sometimes feels just so drained at the end of a day. But I couldn't imagine if we didn't have that muscle already sort of built. I mean, I don't even know. I couldn't even imagine where we'd be. Yeah, one of the other people I've interviewed recently said, I've been operating my business in crisis since I started it. So what's a new crisis to add to the mix? I still got to make decisions. I still got to generate revenue. I still have, you know, so it's, it's once you have that mindset, the stuff you don't control just gets factored into the machine. So let's talk a little bit more about you, Rob. I've had the pleasure of knowing you for many years and, and I know you have a great close friendship with my good friend and business partner, Gino, how have you found your development as a leader in your business influences your life outside the business as a family person, a member of your community, a leader Mm -hmm. in your other passions? It's a good question. You know, I think for me, you know, one of the things is, is doing my best to lead a, I want to say balanced life, but, you know, we always say at the company, it's not a work-life balance, it's just balance. So how do you integrate that into your everyday interactions with your family, your friends, and of course, your business? And of course, for those of us that are entrepreneurs, business leaders, you know, business is such a big part of our life. And so um, how do you switch gears? 
and sometimes having to do that quickly. And I guess what I've sort of learned for myself is, first of all, I don't always need to necessarily switch gears. You know, that's a part of who I am and what my day's been like. And so it's okay to share things that have felt impactful to me, whether they be frustrations or celebrations. Mm -hmm. But I think also really just tuning in to my family and my friends and being curious about them and always being sure to uh, be fully present and deeply, deeply listen to them Mm -hmm. and what's happening in their lives. And sometimes when I know in entrepreneurial community, some that I meet, they can't turn it off and they can't even go there no matter how hard they try. So that is a practice. Yeah. And it's, it's one that I think I'll have to practice forever. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Thanks for that. (laughs) Thanks for that gentle nudge. I'm uh, occasionally guilty of that myself. If you were to give a young leader, fast forward backwards to your early days as a leader and the journey you've been on, what one piece of advice would you want them to hear that would make them a better leader? Mm-hmm. I think to just be really open, honest, vulnerable, transparent. People will like bend over backwards to help you once they feel your authenticity. If everything's always great, you know that that's not true. <laughs> and so I think that's whenever I'm working with some, you know, a young entrepreneur, you know, somebody in a startup mode or early on in the first five years or whatever it might be. And I'm always looking for the authenticity. Like right. Where are the problem? You know, what are the challenges that you're yeah. dealing with? Cause I know you have a thousand of them. Yeah. And if you're not sharing with me, I'm not really sure how I can help you. Yeah. Great advice. Thank you, Rob. What a wonderful conversation. I want to first say thank you for spending time and being generous and vulnerable with our listener. And then I want to make sure anybody who wants to learn more about you or Image One can find information. Where should we go to learn more about you or Image thank One? Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. And um, imageoneway.com is our website. It's all spelled out, imageoneway.com. And I also have a book, the donothingbook.com. That's donothingbook.com. And you can find information about the book and the retreat and my podcast there. And uh, I have a copy on my bed stand. And my wife is very grateful that you wrote it. Oh, that's so sweet. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. So, and I'll close with this. Uh, Please share this episode with a friend. If you know somebody who would benefit from the conversation I had with Rob today and become a better leader themselves, I hope you'll share it with them and spread the word. The last thing I'll say is thank you all for listening. Remember that the world needs entrepreneurs and leaders to lead now more than ever. And I'm hoping the time Rob and I spent together helps make that happen for you. Have a great day. If you got value from today's episode, do me a favor, share the episode with a friend. If you know someone who would benefit from the conversation I had today, make sure to share it with them. 